Lord God Almighty, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to be in your word, to learn more about the promises that you give to us. Lord, we pray that you would allow this time, this place to be filled with your spirit, that the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts might be precious in your sight. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is maybe a little bit of an unusual place to start a sermon. And yet today as we continue our Foundations of Faith series, as we look at what it means to be Christian at some of our key teachings, what it means to be Lutheran, we're going to be talking about baptism. And so I thought it was only fitting that we come back to the source. And what a source it is. Or is it? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. As I'm looking at this water, it looks a lot like water. If you stand in here alone when no one else is here, you can almost always hear the trickling of the water back into the font, and it sounds like water. Amelia Bell found this out the hard way last night, but it feels like cool water too. I'm not gonna do this, but I imagine that if I drank some of it, it would even taste like water. For all intents and purposes then, what we are looking at in this font is just water. One of the most common substances on the planet, something that we interact with every day. So if that's true, if, that, if this is just water, then why do we think this is so important? What happens here that makes it something miraculous? Why does it seem like baptism is one of the only things that pastors, myself included, can talk about? What is so special about this water? Well, as Luther writes in the Catechism, it's nothing about the water itself that makes it special, but it's the Word of God, the command of God, the promise of God combined with the water that makes a miracle happen that makes us a part of his family, that gives us his spirit. And when that happens, God promises us something. And really I'd say that in baptism there are three main promises that we receive as the people of God. In baptism, God promises that we receive forgiveness, salvation, and newness of life. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit more about what those promises really mean for us as the family of God. And so I'd like to start by telling a story. It's an important story within the scriptures. In fact, it was read for us moments ago. And that's the second account of this story within the book of Acts. It's the story of Saul's conversion. But I think it's important for us to start at the very beginning of the story. In the book of Acts, we read that Paul was breathing threats 
and murder against the way, against the followers of Jesus. And in fact, as he was on his journey to Damascus, he was traveling with warrant in hand. He was going to Damascus to arrest any Christians that he might find. But on that dusty road to Damascus, Paul's life was going to be changed forever. A brilliant light would appear around Saul. A light so bright that he felt that he had to fall on his face in the dirt because he knew he was in the presence of God. And as he lay there, his face buried in the dirt, a voice called out of the light, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, still groveling before the light, cried out, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now rise and go into Damascus, and all will be told to you that you are to do. And so Saul shakily picked himself up from the dirt, and as he did, his hands reached out desperately, trying to find anything to hold on to. Because this Saul who once had thought that he had seen so clearly was in darkness. He was blind. And the book of Acts records that for three days he sat in that darkness, thinking about the words of the risen Christ, not eating, not drinking, focusing only on what had happened to him on that road. And three days later, he would be brought from darkness into light. Ananias would come to Saul, and with simple words, he would restore his sight. He would say, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And something like scales would fall from Saul's eyes, and he'd see anew. But while his sight was returned, while he was back in the light, there was another darkness that still lingered. A darkness that had haunted Paul's every step, that had been with him every minute of his life. A darkness that we know all too well. A darkness of sin. A darkness that no amount of sight could fix, that Saul could do nothing about. But Ananias wasn't done yet. And so he gave to Saul an even greater gift. He told him, Saul, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. And this Saul, who hadn't eaten for three days, who hadn't had a drink for three days, who must have been dying of hunger and thirst, got up and before he ate, before he took a drink, he went and he was baptized. Because he recognized that that water was more nourishing. That water was more life-giving than any meal he could possibly have, than any drink he could possibly have. Because he recognized that that water would wash away that darkness and bring him into Christ's light. 
He recognized that that water God would use to promise him the forgiveness of sins, a promise that has been given to you and to me as well. But that's not the only promise that we receive in baptism. Not only do we receive the promise of forgiveness, but we receive the promise of salvation. And today I have an image that I would like to show you. If you were part of our VBS, if you attended VBS, or if you were one of our volunteers, I apologize because you may have already seen this image. But it's a helpful reminder of what Pastor Howard said last week, that the things that we teach our children in VBS, the things that they learn there, are good for all of us. And so I'd like to show you this picture. It's a simple painting, a painting of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And as we look at it, we can see the heavens opening up over Jesus, the Holy Spirit like a dove coming to rest upon him. But what I love most about this image is that here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we also see the end of Jesus' ministry. Here as the voice of God thunders from heaven, this is my son whom I love. We see the very reason why he sent his son. For the wings of the dove reflected in the water before Jesus' face form the shape of the cross. And that cross will always be before Jesus' face throughout his ministry when he's healing the sick, when he's casting out demons, when he's raising the dead, all of it is pointing to the cross, to the end of his ministry. Even when he is mocked, silently taking the abuse, even when his body is racked with pain as he is whipped and beaten and tortured and crucified, Even as he endures death itself, he will never turn his face away from his mission, from the cross. From the Jordan River to Golgotha, he will always have that cross before him, and he will do sign after sign showing who he is and why he came, that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And three days later, He'll prove it once and for all. This Jesus will rise from the dead. He will walk triumphantly from the tomb and he will announce his victory over sin, death, and the devil. He will prove once and for all that he truly is the Son of God and that by his blood, by his cross, by his empty tomb, he has won salvation to all who believe. But where is that salvation promised to us? It's promised to us in baptism. You see, just like the cross is before Jesus, even at his baptism, the cross is reflected in the waters of our baptism. It becomes the central figure of our life, our central focus, as we are joined into this family of faith. There are some beautiful verses that capture what this really means for us, what this baptism does for us and for our salvation, and I'd like to show them to you today. This is from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And in verse five it goes on, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is the promise given to us in baptism, that just as Christ died and rose again, we too will die and rise again. Just as the father called out to his son, rise, Christ will come on the last day and he will tell all of us and everyone who has gone before us who are in the grave, rise, come out of your tombs to everlasting life. That is the salvation promised to us in baptism. And yet we don't just receive forgiveness of sins. We don't just receive that promise of future salvation, of everlasting life. But as you may have caught in these words, we also receive the promise of new life now. And so perhaps it's fitting to turn again to the story of Paul. Because remember where Paul started. A man breathing threats and murder against the Christian way. A man who would go into Christians' homes and drag them out of their houses, throwing them in jail. A man who looked on approvingly as Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was executed. Who oversaw his very execution. A man who hated Christ, a Pharisee who thought that Christ was a liar, a fraud, a sinner, who was rightfully executed. Think about where he ended up. A man who would travel the world seeking to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of Christ to everyone he met. A man who would start church after church in city after city. A man who would write letter after letter to those very churches, reminding them of the new life they had been promised in baptism, reminding them of the new life they had in Christ. In fact, 13 of the 27 New Testament books, including these words, would be written by the apostle Paul by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He would be mocked. He would be beaten. He would be imprisoned. He would even give his life for the faith. Yes, in Paul's life, we certainly see this new life from persecutor to martyr. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm here to tell you today that that new life is a part of your life. Even when it doesn't feel like it, that newness of life is a part of you. It has been promised to you in your baptism. God promises that you have been reborn just like Paul was reborn. 
Just like Paul, you have received that promise of forgiveness, that promise of salvation, that promise of new life. And in my short time here at Grace, I've seen that new life in you. I've seen it in parents who faithfully bring their children to baptism, like Amelia Bell was brought last night, who know that this promise is not just for them, but that it's for their children. I've seen it in how you've welcomed a stranger into your midst. Blessing after blessing showered upon him and his family. Continued forgiveness every time he forgets your names. I've seen that new life. I've seen it in people who take care of their neighbors quietly, who do yard work for the elderly people in their communities. I've seen it in how you reach out to those who are mourning, providing food, providing comfort, being there with them, suffering with them. I've seen it in your heart for mission, sending a trip to Honduras, performing music in the park, doing everything you can to try to get out into the community to share this promise with others. This new life is a part of you. And it's a part of you even when we have to do the difficult things. In a world that seems increasingly hostile to our message, that new life is a part of us when we are mocked, when we're suffering, even in the face of death. And so we share this promise with the world even when it feels hard to do it. Why? Because we have been promised forgiveness, salvation, and new life in baptism. And now it's our turn to share that promise with those around us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it guard and keep your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the many blessings you give, but on this day, we thank you especially for the blessing of baptism. We thank you that through our baptism, through those sacred waters, you have promised us forgiveness, salvation, new life. You have made us part of your family. And Lord, we pray that you would always hold that promise before our eyes, that you would remind us of that newness of life, that you would help us to live out that life that you would help us to share those promises with the world so that all might know the love of your son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, that we might not only have new life here, but everlasting life with you. It's in his most precious name we pray. Amen.